Matthew 15. Matthew 15. And as you turn over there this morning, as you turn over to Matthew 15, next Sunday night at uh, 6 o'clock, first time that we've had a Sunday night service since March, we will be having the Lord's Supper. Uh, the deacons and I have talked, and we're going to be talking about that and planning everything out uh, right after the service this morning. But uh, we've not been able to come to the Lord's table together since December of last year. And it's time. Now, we're taking all the precautions. There will be individually wrapped with a wafer in the bottom and the juice on the top. I can already see somebody opening the wrong way. But we're going to take our time. Uh, all the deacons will serve with gloves and a mask. But it's all self-contained. And uh, it's shipped that way. Probably comes out of China, so I'd still, you know. Uh, no, uh, we're, we will be serving that. We will be reading scripture, having some special songs next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. You do not want to miss it. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. We will, be, we will not be having uh, our annual deacon's Christmas supper. But I would ha rather have the Lord's Supper because it means something. Uh, it means that we are partaking of that bread and that juice that we will never hunger and thirst again. We do it not because we hunger or, we hunger or thirst but because he has satisfied us, because Jesus has paid it all. So look forward to that and uh, bring somebody with you next Sunday morning. And uh, we're still having prayer meeting, youth, children on Wednesday night. Be part of that. Listen, this morning, as we focus on God's word from Matthew 15, may all of our attention now be on him. Forget problems with microphones and other things. Let us take this moment, these few moments in time, to focus on the main thing. You see, in today's life, and especially right now as we head toward Christmas, so often we get caught up in the trappings and we simply are going through the motions. Going through the motions. Well, what does going through the motions really mean? Simply put, it means doing something out of habit or routine without enthusiasm or interest. Just going, going through the routine. Let me ask, will you be going through the motions this Christmas? Yes, this has been a very, very difficult year that anything is different than anything we've, we've ever seen. There's been much sickness, political and social unrest and constant change. Our hearts and our minds have been bar bombarded with code words and phrases about who matters. Wash your hands. Possibly the most damning, damaging words 
social distancing. Now, I understand and respect the need to take every step to help stop the pandemic. But what we must remember is that every step that we take in helping it, we must remember there is a much, much greater threat to the world. And that's a world without hope. A world without hope. You need not look to national news. You can look around here, around home and in our own community and see faces and people each and every day who seem to have no hope. The truth is that the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the only hope for our world. We must not face this Christmas season by simply going through the motions. He said in Matthew 15, and may I say, Jesus was quoting his own words that he gave pre-incarnate to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 29. It's the only place that I know of, and I had to look it up, that God, through the prophecy of Isaiah, referred to Jerusalem, the holy city of Jerusalem, as Ariel. He called it Ariel, and he said it's the place where David had come and dwelt. And he refers to them as hypocrites, those who were fake and frauds, those who had got caught up in the trappings of life. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 15, verse 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Lip service, big swelling words, but no heart for Jesus. Jesus told them and said, listen, you may be the chosen nation. You may dwell here in Jerusalem. You may be a Jew of the Jews, but I'm here to tell you, you're a fraud. You're simply going through the motions. My friends, if we're to really understand and embrace and enjoy this Christmas and everyone that lays out before us, we must understand what Christmas is all about. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. But the gift, McLean, you like getting gifts? I do too. I love getting gifts. I love the surprise. I love surprises. I don't want to know. I want it wrapped up. I, I, I mean, I'm to the point because, and I, I don't mean this in, in an arrogant way, but it's hard to, to surprise me. I, I just seem to know and figure things out. So I won't shake presents. I don't want to shake them. I don't want to even see the side. Wrap them in something that makes me feel like it's something different. 
because I love the surprises and I love the gifts. Kids, y'all love getting gifts? Yes. Well, the greatest gift of them all, he said the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, we're worried about iPads and iPhones. We're worried about new trucks and new clothes. We're worried about all the new things and the new gadgets and what is the latest fad of what we can get. And we're missing the main thing. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen this morning as we seek to stop the vicious cycle of going through the motions. You know, we're like a hamster on a wheel. We do a lot of running and go nowhere. That whole idea of my introduction, social distancing, is at odds with the family of God. It's at odds with humanity. God created man for community. Now, yes, we must take every step, wearing masks, washing hands, trying to stay a, a little distance from one another, but we cannot isolate ourselves as born-again believers called to be salt and light in a tasteless, dark world. Lost men and women, lost children are depending on us this Christmas to share the love of Jesus Christ. We may not be able to sit down and have soup and sandwiches after a children's musical, but we can still through backpacks and through a kind word and through kind acts share the greatest gift of them all, Jesus Christ. If not, let's pack our bags Lock the door and sell it to a community outreach and be done with it. But if we really mean business, if, if you're a member of this body of believers, number one, the criteria for that is you must actually really be a believer. Now, we can't judge that. If you come and say, oh, yes, I'm good. I'm good to go. I want to be a member. I want to be baptized. It's between you and the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, if you're living a life that is fake, a fraudulent life where you have never bent your knee, you have never confessed out of the abundance of your heart and your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and repented of your sins, I'm here to tell you, you are not a believer. You need to stop with emotions, getting up, going to church, leaving, going to lunch. Getting up, going to work, doing the same old thing day in, day out. I can remember asking someone one day, said, how's it going? How's everything? Oh, it's same soup, just warmed over. Same, same stuff every day. We call it the rat race. Well, it's time to get off the wheel. And understand that we have a direction. We have a goal. Paul told us that in Philippians. You see, the real Christmas gift is more than a greeting or phrase. One of my favorite Christmas movies. And, you know, there's a lot of deep spiritual meaning in it. Uh, the Grinch. You know, and the Grinch is just so down to earth. 
after he had stolen Christmas and the big Christmas tree burned up and everything's a wreck. And they really do give us a sign and speak to our heart even through the Hollywood version that it's not about the trees and the trappings. It's not about who had the most lights on their house. And they begin to share the gifts with one another. And what would they do? They all said, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And that is a very important thing. It's the greatest greeting of them all. Merry Christmas. But I want you to understand the real Christmas gift is more than a greeting or phrase. He tells us right here in this, in verse 9, and in vain they worship me. In vain literally means no purpose. Do we just say it because it's that time of year? It's no different than Happy Halloween. I mean, Halloween's one of the number one largest commercial holidays of the year. And it celebrates death. We have missed the point when all we do is we put some, and I'm going to tell you, I, the meaning, the phrase is true. Jesus is the reason for the season. But I'm telling you, if you don't explain that to a lost person, it's just another phrase. It must be more than just a phrase, something catchy. You see, Christmas is all about Jesus. We are to make him known. Whatever we do and however we do it, the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, how we present ourselves, where we go, what we do, but especially what we say ought to be lifting up who Christmas is all about. It's Jesus Day. I like celebrating birthdays even though that I know there's less ahead of me than there are behind me. My mother always made a big deal. She always made really cool cakes and made sure, even though we didn't have a lot, that we could have our friends over and have a very special time. When I was in elementary school, the school was probably not any further than here to the red light at 280. And so I walked to school, uphill both ways. And on my birthday, uh, they, my parents would let me bring home like four or five boys that were my buddies. And they would let them come home, walk home with me, and my dad's grocery store was right behind our house on the main street that ran through Powder Springs. And we would come, and the first thing we would do when we got home is we would go down to the store. And when we got to the store, if you ever was around the grocery store business, the brown paper sacks came in different sizes. And they had numbers on how big those sizes were. Well, the smallest one was a zero. And it was about this wide. It was, it was built like a, one of those popcorn bags in a concession stand. But it was probably half that size. It was only about that wide, and it would only widen out about that far and about that long. But the coolest thing in the world, and even though I could get some, a lot, of, a lot of the time, a lot more than my buddies, it was so cool to see my dad hand every one of my buddies one of those envelopes and say, go to the candy aisle and pick out anything you want. Fill it up. And they, it was 
You heard the phrase kid in a candy store? That's where it comes from, I think. Because we really were, and we were just overwhelmed, and we would start getting toward the top of our bag. It's like, do I want something more? To, and, and we would start interchanging them at the top. It was so cool. That gift was so neat that I was able to bless others through my birthday. I love, love, love birthdays. But let's not forget Christmas about the birth of the king. Not a king, the king. Christ Jesus the Lord is real. He was really born in Bethlehem. He was really wrapped in swaddling clothes. They really did lay him in a manger. This is not a fairy tale. We do not come together with wee ones or children's ministry or whatever it is and act out and sing songs about some story like Mother Goose. Jesus is real. And we must make him known. Listen, share Jesus. Share Je You'll be around your family usually in the Christmas season more than any other time. Tell somebody. Tell your loved ones. Tell your coworkers. You'll have uh, get-togethers at work and neighborhoods and other get-togethers that you want any other time of the year. Tell them about Jesus. It's more than pageantry or parties. How many saw your pastor in the parade Thursday night? The faster pastor. I've been waiting 18 years to do that. It was awesome. Ethan got a Bluetooth speaker. I mean, we, it has no interior. He sat on deer stand pads in the back. And we bolted a couple of seats that we're trying to get done, but hey, run, we had a big time. Playing old Elvis Christmas music all the way through, revving the engines up, doing all that. Man, it was fun. We hung a Santa Claus on the grill and we had American flags on the side. It was, it was the pageantry. It was seeing kids' faces smile and see them wave. It was wonderful. But I'm telling you, Christmas is more than pageantry and parties. I can only imagine that barn out back of the inn was pretty off the beaten path place that night. There was no pageantry there. It was not until the shepherds got there. It was not until later on in his life when the wise men got there and the gifts were brought that night, for most everyone else in Bethlehem and just four miles down the road in Jerusalem, it was just another night. But my friends, Christmas is about the Christ life. It's about living every moment in a party. I don't know about you, but there's some days I don't feel much like a party. I don't feel too much like pageantry. And I don't want to put on a suit. Matter of fact, I don't even want to put on a smile. But you see, every day in the Christian life is the Christ life. And we must realize that it's more because what happens when we put all the focus on pageantry, when we put all the focus on parties and all this very uh, emotionally high moments in our life, 
we end up living our Christian life with peaks and valleys. We have the highest of highs and then we have the lowest of lows. We will all come. That's why they say so many times it is the services around Christmas and Easter where we have the highest church attendance and then people fall out because we ride this roller coaster up and down and up and down. But Jesus is the same on March 12th as he is on June 3rd, as he is on August 22nd as he is on December 25th. No matter what the day, Jesus is Lord. Can somebody say amen right there? I mean, come on. We, we've all faced dread and doubt and depression. We all, especially in this season. But I'm here to tell you the only thing, the only way to overcome it is to see Jesus above all else. When our strength fails us, Jesus. When our friends betray us, Jesus. When our finances run out, Jesus. In the good times and in the bad. It's about the Christ life. Live it. And then it's more than traditions. Now I'm all about traditions. And it killed me we couldn't go to the mountains for Thanksgiving this year. But you know what? We hadn't been doing that since I was a kid. We only started that about 12, 14 years ago. And there's been a year or two along that way where we didn't get to. Sometimes circumstances change, don't they? As I told you last week, Emily and I rode by my grandparents' house where 30 years ago, there would have been 60 people in that little bitty house. And now I don't have a clue who lives there. Solomon told us that. Solomon said, you build it, somebody else will live in it. Things change, doesn't it? Claxton doesn't look identical to the way it was when many of you grew up here. Houses that once stood, I went to a fire other night and that house burnt. It's not, never going to be the same as it was before that fire came. Things change, communities change. Family dynamics change, but my friends, Jesus doesn't change. Time changes, truth doesn't. Y'all with me? The truth will stand when the world's on fire. It is the same truth today. Don't you let culture, don't you let social justice, don't you let anyone tell you that the Bible and other things that pertain, which is Jesus Christ our Lord, changes based on the set of circumstances. Traditions come and go. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture, how much? How much is all? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed it. And it is profitable. Now, how long, how long are you going to stay in business if you don't turn a profit? Not long. Not long. He said all of Scripture is profitable for what? It's profitable for doctrine, not dogma living deep within us or loud within us, 
but doctrine. I'm telling you, it's not dogma to protect the life of an unborn child. It is doctrine. It is not dogma to believe that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. It is doctrine. It is not dogma to believe that the Holy Spirit, I'll get to this in a moment, but that the Holy Spirit overshadowed uh, uh, the Virgin Mary and she conceived a son who is Jesus Christ our Lord, but that she didn't remain a virgin. She got married and had other children. That's not dogma. That's doctrine. There is a difference. He said it's all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly furnished for every good work. My friends, clearing our calendars is not the answer. There's things that we're going to do. I've, I mean, my calendar seems to be filling up even faster between now and the first of the year with different things and great things. Andrew was here a little bit longer this morning because we are excited about things starting back, basketball starting back and other things going on, the Lord's Supper. We, we start scheduling these things. Listen, clearing your schedule is not the answer. Becoming a hermit and going into seclusion. Listen, clearing our hearts, our minds, and our spirit from the secular and filling them with the peace and power of the presence of Christ is where celebration begins. You can have a full calendar and have Jesus first and foremost in your life and be able to celebrate. But some of us fill up our calendar so we can brag to other people that we're more busy than they are. And we fill up our life with joy stealers. I'm telling you, stop being bound by the tyranny of the urgent and become freed by the power of Christ. Listen, it's more than traditions. It's more than traditions. But then Galatians 4 Verse four through five says, but when the fullness of time was come, when the fullness of time was come, Miss Becky and I were engaged Christmas season of 1988. And we set the time for September and over the next couple of months, we narrowed it down and we set that opening date, well, the wedding date, to September 23rd, Michael Clark, because she wanted it the Saturday before, and I said, that's opening day at bow season, and I'm not going to be bound on an anniversary on opening day for the rest of my life. And we moved it one week. You feel my pain? You feel my pain? I don't even bow hunt anymore, but just in case. We set that date, September 23rd. And we looked forward to it. We began to plan and we began to do things and we bought a house and we began to remodel the house to get ready to move in once we were married. And we invited people to be part of the wedding party and 
We planned out our service. We picked out our songs and we did all of those things. And it was busy work and it was good work and it was exciting work. But then the sun rose on September 23rd, 1989. And I did what any good red-blooded, God-fearing future groom would do on his wedding day. I went and washed my truck. My jacked up four-wheel drive truck. I worked on boy. I had to have that thing clean. I wanted it clean. Now, if they were going to mess it up, I wanted it clean when they messed it up. But then I went, took a shower, shaved, did all the things, and I, I had to be at the church for a rehearsal and getting ready. We had done rehearsal the night before, but we kind of needed to make sure everything was lined up, me and my pastor and when I got there, you know, it's still, oh, yeah, it's busy work. It's doing this. We got to have this in place and make sure everything's ready for the reception and all of this. But there's something about when that organ hits. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And when the organ hit and the doors opened and in stepped my bride. The fullness of time had come. Oh, what joy. Still in my memory right now, I can see it as crystal clear as if it was an hour ago. It was the fullness of time for our wedding. I'm telling you, there was no mistake. God didn't just punch it in there. He didn't just wake up because God doesn't sleep. He said, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, listen to this, to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. He said, when the time was come, God sent forth his son you know there's going to be another time God's going to send his son and he will not tarry. He will not pause. He will not stop off at the store to get him an energy drink. When God says, go get my children, my friends, Jesus is coming. But in the fullness of time, listen, he came to do what? To he came under the law, but to redeem them that were under it. Made flesh. That he might experience all the temptation without sin. All the pain, the hungering, the thirsting. Through the wilderness, through the cross. He had experienced it to the heights. So that we have a high priest that understands our hurt that we might receive the adoption of sons. Listen, the real Christmas, the real Christmas gift, it's more than a greeting, it's more than a phrase. The real gift is more than pageantry or parties. It's much more, even though we may love them and they're good traditions, it's more than traditions. The real Christmas gift is the will of God for mankind. That's it. That's it. I've had some pretty cool gifts in my life. Things that I look back and say, that's cool. Some I didn't even remember getting unless I looked through some pictures and saw them. Because, listen, it was 
just something I wanted at the moment, but it didn't last, it decayed, it, it rotted, it broke, and it was threw out with the trash. James 1.17 says, every good gift, every good gift, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation of shadow or turning. The real Christmas gift is the will of God for mankind. He said in Galatians, that great gift that comes down from above, number one, he said to redeem them, to take that which is worthless and make it worthwhile. For some of us, We'll have Christmas, we'll get new stuff, and then we will decide we don't have room for the old stuff, and we will clean it out. Goodwills are packed with last year's Christmas gifts. I've got sacks of old neckties. Listen, the temporary gifts of this life are just that, they're temporary. But the will of God says, I can take that which is absolutely worthless and make it worthwhile. I mean, you get that, don't we? You get that. Because you know how worthless you were without Christ. And you know how God so radically blew into your life and washed away your sin and picked you up out of a miry clay and out of a horrible pit and put your foot on a rock and established your going. He made you worthwhile. Our worth is not in our name. Our worth is not in our fame. Our worth is not in our past. Our worth is not in our progress. Our worth, holy Lock, stock, and barrel is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That is the real Christmas gift in the will of God for mankind. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in man. Everybody listen? I told one one special little girl, I was going to talk about that this morning. So turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. The real Christmas gift is the work of the Holy Spirit in man. Luke chapter 1. Man, I love this. This is strong. And I'm going to tell you, we all have our merry moments if we're saved. Think about this. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Now, the angel's already spoken to Elizabeth. He's already spoken to John the Baptist's father. But now, in verse 30, the angel comes and speaks to Mary. Now, remember, she's just a, probably a teenager. We don't know, 14, 15 maybe 16 years old, but she was a virtuous woman. Y'all hear that, girls? Virtuous. That means you're not bought into the lies that the fleshly attractants and the things, the trappings of all the music and all the movies and what the culture tells you is okay. You're virtuous. You're saving yourself for your husband after marriage, 
That's who Mary was. Don't tell me they don't exist. I married one. You hear me? Mary was a virgin. And it said, the angel said unto her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Wow, man. That doesn't get said often in scripture, does it? You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Jehovah saves. He will be great and be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the spirit of the angel said, I'm glad you asked. You see, Mary, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All inequality, just in different personality. Not three gods, one God in three persons. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The work of the Holy Spirit is the real gift and it came through Mary, Jesus Christ, overshadowing that incorruptible seed. Oh, when God gifts us, there's nothing the world can say about it. They can try, but it's something beyond anything that we can explain. There's still to this day, there's never been not once, not once, anyone born of a virgin but Jesus. Now, how many perfect people has ever walked the face of the earth? Many people say one. It's not true. For if God truly created creation perfect, and he did, for when he sat down on the seventh day, he said, it is all good. That means Adam and Eve were perfect until they chose their disobedience and rebelled against God. Then they became imperfect. And we see that sin came into the world through Adam and in Adam all sin. But there's only been one born without corruptible sin and that's Jesus through the gift of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, man, this is cool. He said in verse 41, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary because Mary was excited. Man, she'd already heard about Elizabeth and she was like, hey, Elizabeth's gonna have a baby. That's so exciting. And then the angel comes and talks to her and so she runs to tell Elizabeth, hey, I'm having a baby too. Let me tell you about it. It said all that Mary had to do when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. What did I say? It's more than a greeting. When it comes from our heart, not just out of rote, not out of ritual. When Mary called, listen, the Spirit of God was in her, on her, through her. And when Mary spoke, just her greeting, Elizabeth, it said the babe leaped in her womb 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Who was that babe? John the Baptist. But we see the evidence of the Spirit in his life, the rest of his life. But listen, the work of the Holy Spirit in man is to all believers. He tells us that, and it's very important to understand this context. We have the beginning of the church age in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That doesn't mean they will be like Isaiah or Ezekiel, but they will proclaim the coming of Jesus Christ again. And they will tell the truth. Your young men shall see visions. They'll see what God's plan is and they will direct and lead others to Jesus. And your old men shall dream dreams. Listen, senior adults, cast your vision and dream for your family, for our church to be everything God wants it to be. Pray and say, God, what would you have us to do? That's where the, the Spirit of God is a gift to all believers. Listen, we're saved, we're sealed, and guess what? We are sent. In the face of social distancing, in the midst of a, a pandemic, we are called, we are sent. Let us win souls. And then the gift of the Son to man. He said in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. Romans 5, 18. Now stay with me. He said, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. You know what the gift of the son to man is? His love. For God so loved the world. His will swallowed up in his fa uh, father's will. It is as good to say for Jesus so loved the world. For the spirit so loved the world. The triune God working totally and completely together to share the love. That is God, for God is love. The gift of the Son was not only love, but it is forgiveness. If you will simply come to Him and confess, Father, I have sinned, you can experience the greatest gift of forgiveness. A gift that you will never Regret getting. And then the gift of the Son to man is glory. Won't it be glory for you and me one day when Christ comes? The dead in Christ shall rise first. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be. Now this is what always gets me. I've read that more than any other. At the gravesite of a godly saint who had, been, who had lived for Christ and had left this world. That's the scripture I choose. You don't know why? Because it's truth. Because it's comforting. Because it's overpowering. 
but because it doesn't end with that, and so shall we ever be. He tells us in verse 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4, comfort one another with these words. One day, we've been justified, redeemed through adoption. We have been and are being sanctified, but one day we'll be glorified. All the backaches and the heartaches. I've got several friends and an uncle in the hospital right now with COVID. Others who are facing cancer. Others we asked prayer for Wednesday night with leukemia and other dreaded diseases, my friends, one day it'll all be over. As they come to the instruments this morning, I want to read you one last verse. Don't check out on me now. Listen to this. Stop going through the motions. Just stop. Doing the same old stuff. You're so busy. And so overwhelmed, you'll wake up December 26 and be glad it's all over. Listen, I know Christmas can be a sad time. I know that. Sad for a lot of different reasons. Family members who are still not, or are not here anymore. Yesterday was a very sad anniversary around our house. It was the anniversary of, we don't talk about it much. We try not to dwell on those things. But yesterday was the anniversary of when 35 years ago, my wife's youngest brother went to be with Jesus. It was a tragic car accident. I think about it sometimes. He'd be 46 now. But you know, before I get overwhelmed by it, I think I'm going to see him one day. I'm going to see him. You know why? Because I dealt with him in the altar the night he was saved. I'll never, he had the most blonde hair. Man, he kept a comb in his back pocket. He was like the blonde 11-year-old Fonzie. And Chip was always doing his hair. I mean, he was the dude now. And I remember the night he walked that altar, walked that aisle, I knelt beside him and he prayed and trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And his life, go back to that. His life was based in his life today. And our life, if we choose it, is based on this fact. We must get back. If we're going to get out of going through the motions, let this Christmas, in the midst of everything the world says is broken and falling down, oh God, may we see the truth. Thanks. Thank you. May all praise and glory and honor, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. My friends, it's all about Jesus. Will you trust him today? Stand and come. Come to Jesus this morning. Come right now without hesitation. Rush as the shepherds did. Come to see Jesus.